Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm super excited for this. So for the people who uh, have never heard of Christopher, a.k.a. Click Thompson, um, he is an amazing individual who is an awesome rodeo photographer, well, photographer in general, but uh, primarily your main gig is rodeos, correct? Yeah, rodeo and western sports and things of that nature. Yeah, all things western lifestyle related pretty much, right? So I met Click. It's kind of a, a funny story, and I won't go into the. I am not a shy person at all, and um, we were out playing pool one night with uh, some other friends, and I happened to come across these this group of people who had one of the guys had a cowboy hat on that looked like a legit cowboy hat. You know, when when you're out and about, you see people who have cowboy hats, and you know they dress certain ways. And this is probably me being very stereotypical, so I probably shouldn't say this, but. He had well-shaped hats. So I thought, well, I wonder who those people are. Like, I wonder if we know anybody who's the same. And I'm from Deep River, Iowa, and just had moved to Fort Worth, Texas. And I got to talking to these guys who would know, lo and behold, that we would become such good friends. Click actually helped me drive home from Vegas that same night, the first night that I met him. I asked I asked you to help me drive back from Vegas because um, I had a booth there with the Performance Pony Company. And... Now we're friends, just like that. Yeah, that was that was an interesting night. Yeah, when you asked me to ride back with you from Vegas, I'm like, I just met this girl. She, I mean, I guess she trusts me enough. Or yeah. Good vibes, so well, we out. had enough mutual friends, and we were sitting there, and we were in a, a sports bar where there's TVs everywhere, and he's like, "Oh, hey, that's me on TV as a PBR is going <laughs> on, and he's taking pictures." So it was pretty cool. That's never that's never happened before. That was. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty awesome deal. So I really felt like I was in the aura of a very famous person that night. Pretty well, not cool. famous, but I'll take it. But on the way. We're getting there. Yes. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Click? Like, how did you become a rodeo photographer? And I know that this is a really cool story. So um, start from the beginning. All right. So from the very beginning, well... I am not traditionally uh, associated or uh, have any, like, family history with equine or horses or rodeo or anything like that, but it was just, um, I'm from Virginia originally, and my, uh, I used to work at a theme park called Bush Gardens, which is um, owned by SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment now, and they also have, there's a Bush Gardens in Florida too, and uh, one of my coworkers used to ride bulls when I was a supervisor at Toto, go figure. And he would tell me about just some of the associations, the rodeo associations in the area, you know, Southern Rodeo Association, Southern Bull Riding Association, things like that. And there's some PRCAs out that way as well. And um, he, I kind of got interested, and, and I was looking for things to do. I Initially, maybe a year before, I actually went to my first bull riding in 2010. The first PBR I went to, first time ever seen a bucket bull. So how uh, old were you at this got, time? Ooh, I was. Oh, 21, 22. Maybe. Okay, so your first yeah. encounter with rodeo really was when you were 21 years old. Yeah, 21 years old. Okay. I had finished undergrad, so I had my bachelor's and was just, you know, my goal was to do whatever I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure I had a camera in my hand because that's what I was passionate about. I graduated with a, a bachelor's in my graphic design, and I was doing photography at the time. It was just something that I had a little bit more passion to do, and, you know, 2010, took a friend of mine to a bull riding 
actually the girl I took is now my sister-in-law because my brother married her sister. Oh. And uh, and uh, and then yeah, got hooked. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> and just le- later that year, we went to a bigger uh, PBR event. It was a Billboard Tough event in Charlotte, and I just kind of over time would network. And like I said, one of my coworkers at my theme park job, Road Bulls, and he told me about stuff in the area. And, you know, over time you meet guys like Jerome Davis and a lot of the East Coast guys. And we just built on that. And I started taking pictures for the uh, Southern Extreme Bull Ride Association called Zebra, which actually Jerome Davis started before he moved over to the PBR. So there's a lot of group roots um, associated with that. Yeah. And just started building, building the brand and building the, the deal. And it's called Click Thompson Photography, correct? Well, my business is called Click Thompson Photography. You can go to my website and just click Thompson, yeah, and you've got all kinds of photos on there that are awesome. When did you know that you wanted to be a photographer? Like, what what inspired you to do that? It was kind of, I think, for photography, and, and, and that's a little bit of. And I still do graphic design stuff now. And in fact, I do more graphic design work than I did when I was in school. But it was when I was designing, I would kind of get like writer's block and things like that. And it was harder to stay motivated. Where with photography, I could just take a picture. Now with digital, you can just see what you created immediately after you've taken the photo. That's that instant gratification. Mm-hmm. And it also allowed me to, to do anything or be involved in anything I liked. So you know, before I did rodeo, I shot concerts a bunch because I love music, as you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm always listening to music. And that allowed me to be get closer to the artists that I enjoyed listening to. And I did that quite a bit. And then, yeah, with rodeo, it was, and, and doing photography for that, it was, I was addicted to it. I mean, I tell people, I, we hear people say it all the time, it's kind of like the worst the drug in the world, because, you know, it's, we're always doing it, we're, we are, it becomes like the main focus for a lot of our lives. Yeah. And, and it was cool, because, and, and it was good for me, because as someone who was kind of an outsider, um, it just really grew my thirst for photography because then I started to figure out what people wanted as far as pictures and, mm-hmm. and what they were looking for, angles, moments, you know, like if the barrel is just turning, what, what's that spot where they want that shot? Yeah. And then, so I had more of a purpose for my work as well. So did you have somebody to, to kind of guide you through this photography? Like, do you have some mentors that helped you start on this journey or is this was, did you just dive in head first and kind of learn from the hard knocks oh, of life? Initially, I didn't. Like, I had a friend of mine, Carter Hall, who's originally from Stephenville, but he was living in Virginia. He was a bullfighter. And uh, if you heard of the company Rank Bull, he started that. And, and we were got to talking about it because I think what, what my benefit or my advantage was is that I had the quality when it came to the photographs. I just didn't know what I was taking pictures of. Mm-hmm. So as my experience increased, then, you know, my the quality would, you know, help benefit my work and help, you know, push it forward. Mm-hmm. And he would always kind of give me ideas of, because, like, bullfighters and bullfighters even today will tell you if, you know, photographers generally shoot the ride or the, the wreck, but then after that they don't take a whole lot of pictures of the bullfighters. And the bullfighters, that's the photo they want is when they're actually doing their job and, you know, saving the cowboys and stuff like that. So yeah. if you can, and this, and this is kind of a little, a little tip for photographers coming up, like, Shoot your bullfighters too, because those guys will will buy photos all the time. Yeah, I think that, I mean, and I I appreciate bull riders and bull riding, and it's 
it's an important part of the rodeo sport. Uh, but the bullfighters, uh, they're my favorite to watch, you know, so athletic yeah. and risking their lives to save another life. And it's just, they're amazing. And I love some of those shots. Those are probably some of my favorites too, even though I spend most of my time on the other end of the arena. Yeah. <laughs> Which is it's still new. And you were talking about mentors. So um, as I started doing more bull rides, because on the East Coast, we have generally our big things are bulls and barrels. Uh-huh. I like to joke with people and, and tell people that, our bucket horses are thoroughbreds, so they'll kick one time, and then usually after that, it turns into a race. So <laughs> the, the pickup men always have fun chasing horses down on the East Coast. But um, my good friend and mentor, uh, Andy Watson, who is the main official photographer for the PBR, if you go to bullstockmedia.com, that's all his work, and he's been taking pictures for the PBR 23-plus years now. And he kind of, once we got to know each other and I kind of stayed in contact with them, I would send emails and and just talk about things and, 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 and see if I could just tag along. I wouldn't even ask to shoot with them. Like, hey, can, do you, if I'm in the town, do you need help setting up stuff, stuff like that? And he kind of just took me under his wing and helped me out a bunch. And, but he's helped me a lot, both shooting bull riding, but also shooting other, of the other events at rodeo and kind of understanding what people are looking for and, and just, mm-hmm. and, and it's a whole different world. I didn't know what good, bad dirt was until I started doing those rodeo events. How does that affect you in photography? I mean, understanding the environment, one, it helps because with rodeo photography, it's one of the few, maybe the only um, disciplines of photography or genres, so to speak, that you're actually taking pictures on the field of play. So you have to know your surroundings. You have to understand where you are and how where you're where you're standing can affect someone's run or can affect or your life you know how the how the lights are it can affect the performance itself which you know now you're getting into the world of production and that stuff as well and you know good and bad dirt matters because we kneel quite a bit mm-hmm. so we need good jeans and we need <laughs> and it'll help save your knees if you you know not put your knee down in rocks every time so, yeah yeah but, yeah when you are looking, I mean, you probably have to move around for different events, but how do you decide where you're going to stand? I mean, do you, it's just a matter of a lot of different things, I imagine. Every arena plays a little different. Some are longer than others, obviously, because the time events need room. It's different if it's just a bull ride. You can do a bull ride um, in a little small area because mm-hmm. you, know, you want your bulls to turn back and they don't need to go far and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, that. The arena plays a big part as how you're going to light it. I mean, where you're going to stand as far as positions, like where you would stand to shoot the calf roping at Fort Worth in the Coliseum is totally different than where you would shoot at like Cheyenne. Yeah. You know, so you, you know, lighting's different. You know, your position's going to be different. You have to kind of take those things into account. Of, you know, if the steer's got a long score and the bulldog is, it's going to take. They're going to go quite a ways before. You know, they actually get that steer stop, so you kind of have to be prepared for that. You can't necessarily be as close as you would like to be in a smaller arena or yeah. things like that. There's a lot of things that you have to take into account for one yes. really good photograph. Absolutely. I mean, and just safety always is important. Like, there's some places where you can, you just can't get close or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you get those longer arenas, Cheyenne, Pendleton, where you, you can, you're, Access is also limited. That's one thing you run into as you start to do higher echelon events is that you can't necessarily go everywhere. 
you mm-hmm. could, like when you're doing your little small hometown deal where you can run everywhere and be standing right beside the bucket sheets. Sometimes, you know, they won't even let you in the arena. Yeah. Um, so you have to take those things into account. Sometimes that causes you, you have to use different gear and, and then your gear evolves to, and to execute and do the things you want to do. Yeah. How many different lenses do you have? Generally, I have like, I think the most I've ever had altogether is about eight or nine. Oh my gosh. So That's a lot of in lenses. Rotation, <laughs> in rotation, I'll usually, there's like three mainstays. There's like one that's a really good wide angle lens. I have one that's kind of like that medium range, kind of a do it all lens. If I was just going to take one thing, one lens, and I didn't have to shoot anything really far away, that would be my main mid range zoom. And then I have something that's a little longer, which is probably the longer end lens is the one that is used primarily by most rodeo photographers. Uh-huh. Um, it can get you pretty close, but it still allows for you to be, if you have to shoot something closer or need to be in a closer proximity of something, you can still make cool pictures. Yeah. Well, and right I've now. learned too, right you know, like if I have a, a nice camera kind of that my brother is letting me borrow, but there is so much to it. Like I can take a pretty picture of a flower on a non-windy day, but to get that action shot and to have all of that motion going on, it takes a lot of equipment and a lot of money. And I think one thing that I have seen that people maybe don't necessarily appreciate it as much as they used to, how much goes into those quality photos and how much they really are worth. Yeah, there's a, there are few, there are, in the grand scheme of photography, there's not a lot of rodeo photographers. And then when you start introducing things like strobes and things like that, that number gets drastically smaller. And, and it's just limitations of equipment. Like if I go shoot a bull riding, I, I, and I'm flying somewhere, I'm carrying easily over $2,000 just in lights. Mm-hmm. Not even, you know, not even cameras. So, and it's just so I can make a high quality picture that can be used for social media, but that can also be used later down the road if somebody wants to blow a photograph up to the size of the side of a building. That you know, our our technology and our equipment is has the capability to do that. It's crazy what goes into those things, and I think anything in life, when you become a professional at it, you know, it's it's easy from the outside looking in to say, oh, well, I can take a picture with my smartphone, but there's so much more to it than. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and a lot of times we all, even even myself, we all get lucky. Um, but what the goal is to I watch what is driven by equipment a lot of times is your, your goal is to get to a point where it's not like lightning strikes. It's more of like something you consistently do every time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you try not to make it about the equipment, but sometimes it's just, I need a camera that can do this, or I need a camera that can shoot this fast, or that yeah. can handle shooting in a low, lower light or things like that. So. Mm-hmm. It, what's your favorite picture that you've ever taken? Oh, I used to not have one. I, I'm always pretty critical of my photography and, and I've been like that as a student I used to teach photography so I'm always pretty critical with critiquing things um, I took one picture last year during the PBR final so I had a couple really good ones but probably the one that I think I'm most proud of is during the very last round when it was kind of a head, head-to-head thing between just Lockwood and uh, Jose Vitor Lemay where they were kind of head-to-head and Jose rode his bull that just had to ride his bull to win but if Jose bucked off, then, he, then Jess would automatically be the world champion. And, and Jose bucked off, and, and this is like the second, this is the last two bulls. And 
Josie bucks off, and you know, obviously he's distraught. He's worked all year trying to win this world championship, and he's coming from Brazil. And 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 the kid is really good. He's really talented. I'm pretty sure he'll be a future world champion for sure. And with I mean, total class moment. He comes up before Jeff gets on his pool and and hops over the bucket chute and shakes Jeff's hand and told and tells him congratulations and told him he deserves it. And I was right there to get that, that shot cool. of him shaking hands, and, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, and that is one thing that, um, you know, I think other sports have it to a certain extent, but from what I've experienced, there's no other sport like rodeo when it comes to competing against your friends and your family, and everybody wants to win, but everybody genuinely wants everybody else to win, too. Yeah, that's a unique thing, and and I've told people, like, when I was getting started in the rodeo, it's kind of like a family reunion every weekend is, you know, everybody... You know, you could have seen somebody two days before, but they may have been the two or three other rodeos, and they've got stories with mm-hmm. those. So now you have, you know, an easy half an hour conversation just about that. And like you said, you, everyone wants everyone to do well. And, I mean, I've seen guys buck off bulls, chuck their bull rope, and then come back on the bucket sheet to help pull a rope for somebody else. Yeah, you know, upset because, with themselves, you know, just to but yeah. don't want their friends to do uh, well. The girl that I, works for me, I have – she's a – a uh, college-age girl who, um, it's just kind of crazy how she's ended up here, but it's been it's been a pretty cool deal that she's working for me now, and she's wanting to, to learn how to rodeo more. She's always been involved in the, the Western industry. Her parents own a big campground in southern Iowa that has a bunch of trail rides and stuff, and she's just been a really cool girl to to get to know and stuff and we were talking about she's like how do you know all these people and it's like well I've gone to a lot of rodeos and traveled a lot of places and I think as long as you're not shy in this industry then you're going to meet a lot of people from all over the country and the world yeah you're you're kind of next generation though when it comes to meeting people I mean I don't know (laughs) that you know a stranger like and I've seen it live and in action where she just bounce around and it's just conversation after conversation it's like I mean, you, it must be difficult for you to get anywhere sometimes because there's probably, you know everybody where you're going. So. Well, I um, I try to meet people everywhere I go to. And um, one thing that we've been doing lately, we were I was talking to my aunt one day, and we'd gone out to eat and stuff, and this is kind of off topic, but try to get back. Get back. Um, but we were standing there, we were talking about my grandma, and, you know, we all have those grandmas who are, Awesome and wonderful, but like mine, love her to death, but she tends to tell the same stories over and over again. And, you know, you just kind of, <laughs> and it's the same, same kind of small town drama. You know, we live in a town of 200 people, so she can see through her neighbor's fence and, you know, just all that little stuff. But she said, if you can just ask her a question, you know, about what it was like when she grew up or, uh, what's something that she learned from her mom or what's her favorite memory from her childhood or just something like that. Um, and so I've gotten to where now when I see people that I maybe don't really know how to strike up a conversation with, but I, I want to talk to, I can just, I start asking questions like that and try to learn something about them that could add value to my life or something that I can share with somebody else. And last night we were sitting around, um, uh, with some friends and there were a couple older guys in the restaurant that we were at and I said I asked them what they learned from their parents and it was just really cool they learned you know the value of hard work and faith and listening to them recollect on those things which is super cool and 
I think every person that you come into contact with and not I know that the world is not does not need to be full of Cammy Widmers that talk to everybody, but um, <laughs> I do think that if you can talk to people and hear their stories and ask them questions and it's gonna just make your life that much richer as an individual yeah. and I just I love that. I think it makes you a more well rounded, open minded person. Well that you are. I I do my best. That, that you are. So what is a piece of advice that if there was a kid who wanted to get started being a photographer in the rodeo industry or the Western industry, what would you tell him? Man, well, I would tell any of my past students and anyone now is, you know, take pictures. And it doesn't always have to be rodeo. I found that, uh, and it seems so simple. You know, take pictures. Oh, that's not a big deal. But when I say take pictures, I mean thousands of pictures. Photograph mm-hmm. everything. Take pictures of your couches. Take pictures of dogs. Take pictures of grass. Whatever. Um, because you you think that oh well, I want to shoot rodeo, but all these things can play can play a part. You know, it may you know when you get that one place, it's just got some crazy looking dirt. Maybe you want to document that. And if you've been taking pictures of dirt then you could probably make a cool picture out of the dirt. And, mm-hmm. you know, those are those are things that, you know, people can will want to buy, people will want to use. Like, you, dirt sometimes is just a good picture to have for something atmospheric. People might buy a picture to frame it and put it in their house. Yeah. Or sometimes just, like, I have a client that wants to buy a picture that I took years ago of a girl who was just uh, doing uh, pole bending. And it was right when she's turning off that last bowl coming back home. And it was a tight shot, more of just the horse's legs right there in the dirt. And she's like, I want that. And it was perfect because no one knows who that girl is. Well, I do. But no one knows. Right. They don't know who that girl is. But it just, that, that the image fits the mood of what they were looking for. But yeah, yeah take pictures. Um, and like you said, you know, get to know people, build relationships. That's all Rodeo is. It's just a bunch of relationships and getting to know people and, things like that and our our community is very large but it's also very small like you know knowing one person can get you access to a lot of things in, in, in the future oh I know that person or somebody will vouch for you or things like that and, mm-hmm. and take the time to and when you're doing rodeos take the time to know get to know your subjects you know, and sometimes it's the times when you don't have the camera. Like, I learn the most about people when I'm just hanging out. Mm-hmm. Before the rodeo, afterwards, just visiting, talking about life. Because then that allows people to get to know you. And when people know you, they are more likely or inclined to let you in closer. Oh, you know, yeah. some people don't like people. Some people don't like you near their horses or, you know, some places they may not want you to take pictures on the back of the bucket shoes. But if someone like the producer knows that you're cool, and that you understand the sport and that you respect everything, their business, you respect, you know, everything that goes on back there, they're more likely to let you do that. Yeah. And then that gives you an opportunity. Yeah. That gives you an opportunity to get some access that maybe somebody on the street wouldn't get. And then that also gives you the opportunity to make better pictures. So, but going back to my original statement, if you're taking pictures, you just become more comfortable with your equipment and, like you mentioned before, rodeo, everything moves so fast. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're if you comfortable with your equipment and you get used to it, the things slow down and it allows you to make a lot of really good images. 
So. Yeah. And I always I, take pictures. Yes, lots of pictures. And then that's the fun part, I feel like, is taking the picture and getting the action shot and all that. But it takes so many to get that picture. And then you have to edit it. What is your editing yeah. process like? <laughs> well, right now, I think I just finished um, – I'm in the process of editing about five different shoots right now, uh, and I'm just kind of going through them. Um, over time, you will – some people will use the term of learning to hate your work, but the term hate is not necessarily what, what we mean. It's like learning to be critical and understanding what's good and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, we we all have – we all take good pictures. We all take bad photos. I tell you all the time, it doesn't matter what camera I have. I can have a $6,000 camera. It does not eliminate my ability to take a crappy photo. For editing, it's just, uh, and I've gotten better, and part of that is due to, like, equipment limitations. Like, we have, I have cameras that can take 10 frames a second. So, you know, in a second, I just took 10 pictures. Well, now I have to edit 10 pictures, and there could only be one good one in the bunch. So I've gotten really good at, you know, I've I've always really, we always work on our timing and, and taking one picture at a time. And that will drastically eliminate the amount of pictures you have to edit yeah. or even the amount of pictures you have to look at. Right. Um, and when you're and when you're shooting with strobes, you can't shoot really fast. You have to wait for that light to recycle so you can actually get a consistent exposure. But, you know, when I bring pictures in, um, sometimes I'll just go through them really fast because I have some software that allows me to look at them really fast and I can pick out the best ones really quick mm-hmm. and I can cut the group in half. Sometimes it's just a long, strenuous process where you're going to you're editing, you're maybe editing down or culling you're the amount of photos, and you're also, like, maybe tweaking them and adjusting colors. Um, one thing that a lot of people don't know about the work we do for, like, the CBR or WCRA is we actually do uh, metadata for all our pictures, too. So, like, if I take a picture of you um, or, say, I take a picture of, we'll take Sage Kimsey. Mm-hmm. Um, and during a ride. So in, in the actual metadata or like the caption in the, that's embedded in the file of the photo, it'll say, say Kimsey, it'll say the stock contractor's name, it'll say the name of the bull, it'll have, so it, later on, it's wow. beneficial when you're trying to find a photo later on. Yeah. Um, you can, I can type in Kimsey and then all the pictures of Sage pop up. But and that's gotta can, be so time consuming. So a lot of times, like on big jobs like that, I've actually looked at the pictures two or three times because I've added metadata to them and then I've maybe edited them and then delivered them. So I've looked at the pictures three times before. No, even when ever sees them. Yeah, I know that like in my file saving, since I have multiple projects going on all the time, um, it's so important just in the files that I save to take the time to put the name on it or put what company we're working on and. It seems tedious at the time, but like you said, it's so worth it at the end. And I'm sure that it helps if somebody uploads that photo to Google or to the cloud, whatever, then it's got that information with it um, regardless. So then you don't have to – I mean, there's always copyright and all that kind of stuff and people stealing photos. But I'm sure that it at least helps people track back to where – who to give it credit yeah, all that information is embedded there. You know, who took the picture? It's like my photos will have who took if I if I took it has my name on there as the person who took it. it, has the copyright information on there, it has my address. So if someone needed to like mail me a check or something, they can pull that information from the photo. My contact information, the photo where it was taken at, the time it was taken at, the location, who's in it, all that. 
Mm -hmm. better than that picture. That's pretty cool. Okay, we're going to move on to the next question. This is going to be a little bit different. Who is your biggest inspiration? Well, I have a couple different people that inspire me for different reasons. Um, Obviously, as far as photographers, um, probably my top three are uh, Chase Jarvis, who he is a commercial photographer, but he does a lot of uh, speaking and just motivational things, and he's really a good person to help you, you know, Mm-hmm. check yourself and realize, hey, I could be doing more or, or things like that. Um, Joey Lawrence is another commercial photographer who is, as you'll notice, that they're not all real photographers. Uh, he's, he's just, I love his work. Like, I think whoever, whatever you do, you should always have someone who just makes you want to quit. Like, you see their work, you're like, I am never going to be that good. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then, like, you know what? And then that's someone who can always inspire you. Yeah. And sometimes it's yourself. You can, you know, you have that one image that you make, and you're just always trying to pursue that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, Andy Watson is a dear friend, my mentor. He inspires me every time. He's always creating something new and just thinking about it. One person that really inspires me is actually Cody Webster, bullfighter. Yeah. Like I, he is. He's a grinder, man. He's always doing something. Like I always respect guys that especially bullfighters who do the PRCA and PBR because those are like the two biggest deals and to be involved in both of them and like be fighting bulls at the finals at both of them and having a social media presence and like building his brand and like I love that mm-hmm. and he's ever since he was young he was ate up with it like he wanted to be a bullfighter and that's all he wants to do and that's his deal and like that's how I want to approach what I do and that's how I want people when they tell me they want to do something especially in the Western industry, I'm like, be ate up with it. Like, you want to wake up and go to sleep thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100%. Like, I was told one time that I wouldn't be able to continue at the level that I operate right now. Like, when I wake up in the morning, I hit the ground running. You know, like, it's, I'm excited to wake up. I'm excited to get things done. You know, some days are harder than others, but I love what I do, and – to that comment, I say, you know what, bring it on, because as yeah. long as I'm doing what I love to do, like, it's exciting every day, you know, and I like being busy, and I enjoy it, and I think, you know, I'm, I love it, and just like you love your photography, and, you know, no matter what you do, there's going to be tedious, <laughs> tedious, long, hard days, but if you love it, it's worth it. Yeah. There's, uh, what's it, three or four now? I think it's four times. Yeah, four-time CrossFit champion, Matt Fraser, and he's I always like to watch people, like, how they work out and things like that. And one thing he used to say, well, his tagline is hard work pays off. Mm-hmm. But he also, so, like, if you buy anything, like, like he has shoes with Nike. If you buy any stuff with Nike, it'll, like, the hashtag will be there, HWPO. But one thing he said is, I'm going to do today what people won't do so tomorrow I can do what they can't. And, and I'm like, that's, that's the fire. You know, always try to find somebody that just puts a fire in your belly and keeps you wanting to do more, and, you know, and supports you and just, you know, gets you fired up. And it could be somebody you don't even know, mm-hmm. but, you know, find that person that, you know, lights your fire. And I think, too, along with that is when you're getting started, and I know for, like, what I'm doing right now, as I get deeper into the industry and meet more people personally, you know, I get to have those those personal relationships with the people that inspire me, but I still read a lot of books. I listen to podcasts. 
it's who you surround yourself yeah. with every day, and that's in what you listen to, who you watch, you know, just what what surrounds you all the time. So you don't necessarily yeah. have to know all these people and be able to have personal conversations, but just be inspired by somebody. Absolutely. Just, it's like uh, I told, I finally got to tell uh, old Drew Stu in Vegas this year. Yeah. He, I mean, I, I, I can't, like, I'm still working on, like, roping and stuff like that, but uh-huh. he was the reason that I picked up a rope and, like, learned how to throw a rope. I did not tell. And then, of course, I started swinging a rope five, six years ago. But, you know, I met him for the first time last last winter in Vegas. And I'm like, hey, man, just so you know, I was watching your YouTube videos. And, like, that's how I learned how to swing a rope. That was a cool moment to have, for sure. He's pretty awesome. And I he's one of the people that um, I actually met him when he was at Cactus uh, Saddlery. Mm-hmm. Um, I interviewed for a job there and got to meet him there. And I've just kind of followed him since then. And, you know, he's made such a impact on the industry. And He's on the business side of it, you know, I, I really, I have a lot of respect for him and what he's done in the name that he's built. And he's one of those people that, you know, when I think of people in the industry who inspire me, I think, you know, I want to have a name like Drew Stewart someday. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so when you're doing all of this stuff and it's daunting and it's editing all these photos and, like, right now you said you're doing five different photo shoots, so that's going to be, like, thousands of photos that you have to look through right now. Absolutely. Um, When days do get long, because even if it does set your soul on fire, it's still the hard days. Um, What what keeps you going? Like, what's your thought process on those days? Man, Uh, it varies. Sometimes I I'll just uh, take five or ten minutes and um, and just maybe I'll just go in a different room and just play some music and just sing along. And it could be anything, something that's just goofy. Or, and sometimes you like, and I, I learned this in college, and because um, I got my master's online. Sometimes you just have to uh, plan and schedule when you're going to do work, mm-hmm. and sometimes you need to, and, and also sometimes plan and schedule when you're going to rest. Like sometimes you just need to give your eyes a break and say, you know what, I'll come back. Like I don't have a deadline to meet imminent. So why don't I just take a break for the night and look at it in the morning? And sometimes just that little bit of refreshing is all you need. Um, but one thing I've definitely learned a lot and do more over the past year, year and a half since I moved to Texas was um, taking a moment to see where I am and, and, and realizing how blessed I am to, you know, there's days I get on the plane to go photograph a rodeo in a state I've never been before and and I'm going to get paid for it and I get to be kind of like a, a C-list celebrity for for three hours mm-hmm. and then I get to go home and 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 I think about somebody who has to maybe work in an office and they don't really like what they do every day I'm like every day I get to do something that I like mm-hmm. and that I'm passionate about and you know and it's on my schedule and things like that you know he's just you know I quickly try to remind myself and be grateful for what I have and just and and that a lot of times will just fire you up. It, it just makes you smile. Yeah. Because there was a time when you didn't, you know, you may not have been where you are, you didn't have that access, or you didn't have that, you know, you, it was a work in progress. Mm-hmm. You know, and by no means have I made it, so to speak, but like I can see the the, the fruits of my labor, and I can see, you know, the seeds that have been planted starting to blossom. So yeah, I'm just thankful, and you know, it's been good. That is. 
great advice because I know there's days that I struggle. I'm like, man, I have got all this stuff going on. And it's, it is important to take a step back and think, well, you really only started this adventure like a year ago or this adventure four years ago or look how far you've come and read something and I think it says you can't be grateful and negative at the same time or you can't be positive and negative at the same time so if you can fill your heart and you're mindful of things that you're grateful for then you're going to block out all that negativity or the the doubt fear or whatever's creeping into your mind at that time um, just by putting in those good thoughts and having something to be happy about Absolutely. And sometimes just, you know, you, you step out of a comfort zone and you, you pursue a new endeavor and then you hit like some landmark. Say you've been doing something for a year and then you realize, hey, I'm still here. Or, you know, I might be doing something right because I'm still getting these opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes that's all the, you know, the motivation you need is just to go, wait a minute, I'm still doing this. Yeah. You know, and when, you know, and that. Yeah, and I haven't known you that long, but I feel like I see your name more and more. I remember on our way home from Vegas, it seemed like you were you were telling me about your story and stuff and how you got started and how, you know, before, it, and you said earlier in this in the podcast that it was helping people and, you know, being the guy that, that also took the shots, but maybe not the main photographer, like you were helping the main photographer. And now it seems like as I see stuff pop up on Instagram, like, you're the guy. You're the one yeah. now. You're the man that they call. And that's awesome. So we're getting there. It's, 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 it's awesome to, you know, be aligned with some people that, you know, have been in the business. Oh, and for me, I've been, and I told, I was telling a friend the other day, who's a really good friend, and I've known her for, oh, man. We met when I had been shooting rodeo for two years. Uh-huh. And we were talking about just the ride. And I said, it's only been, I've only been doing this for nine years. And then I kind of started thinking about the stuff I had done. Like, I've, you know, shot the PBR finals three times. I've been to Houston and San Antonio and Cody and Cheyenne. Yeah. And places, and, you know, and you take a moment and you're like, man, that's pretty big for such a short period of time because people have been doing this their entire lives. Yeah, for not so, ever yeah. even going to a rodeo until you were 21 years old. Yeah. And now it being. Absolutely. Now being where you're at and getting to travel the places that you've traveled, that's extremely awesome. And I am thankful that I have gotten to know you and that our paths (laughs) do cross from time to time. Yeah, I appreciate you scratching my back that night. Yes, I did scratch your back. Sometimes you just (laughs) got to have somebody help you scratch that itch. Yeah, (laughs) there weren't any posts or anything close. Oh, yeah. And here we are today. Yes. Okay, what's your favorite quote? Okay, which one comes to mind? Oh, or two. You can have two. Actually, I, ha- I was talking to my, my friend Taylor. This is the same girl I was talking about earlier. And, I, and sometimes I come up with just things that I would tell people. Eventually, one day, I'll probably write a book. You already are like writing this. a book, aren't you? Well, well, in, in my head, I'm writing it. I haven't like, written it on pages or anything like that. But, oh, okay. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll, that would be the next podcast conversation. Okay. But, yeah. Um, I was kind of looking at where we are kind of as a country, as a nation, as a world. And, and a lot of people like to say that I think one of the popular things people say now is, you know, you're canceled or, you know, let's cancel 2020. Yeah. And, and I told, and I said 
and this is kind of a, a rhetorical question, and, and you don't have to answer it, but it's a good question to ask yourself. And I said, if the world was yours, like it was your inheritance, it was, you know, it was coming to you, you know, would you take it now or would you wait a year? And like for me, I was, I said, man, we're in a, this country and this world, we're in kind of a rough spot where, you know, we're learning more about ourselves personally and, and socially. But, you know, if, if this is, I'm not guaranteed next year. So why not take it now? Why not make the best of what we have now? So, and, and like I said, sometimes we're not ready. Like everything that I've done or achieved, there have been a lot of bumps and, and bruises along the way. And sometimes I was ready for it and sometimes I wasn't. But, you know, mm-hmm. your, your dreams or your greatness, just I'd like to tell you, look at it like it's your inheritance and just go get it. Yeah, that's great advice. I think that's a, an awesome thing to ask ourselves, especially, you know, we're in the middle of the COVID and um, the the protests and all of that that's going on right now. And I think that there's a lot of good that's going to come out of this. And I, it's going to take a while. But, I, I mean, I see it already, I think, at least. I mean, we live in small-town rural Iowa, and we have stayed busier than ever. Um, you know, just making the best of the best of the situation and just keeping our head down and working hard. And, um, you know, this is a time where I think when the world kind of slows down, slows down, speeds up, it seems like it's kind of slowing down right now with things getting canceled. But um, it's a time to put in the extra effort, kind of like we talked about before, just with people deciding to schedule the photo shoots that they've been putting off um, and things like that. Take advantage of times like these and, and on those years where everybody's going to have times in their life where things seem like they're taking forever to to yeah. come about. But those are the times when you look back that you're going to remember all the hard work that you put in it, and that's what's going to make that goal worth achieving. Yeah. Yeah. This is, and I've told people, I said, you know, when, when the world slows down, the best time, like this is the best time for creative people because, you know, when we turn the corner and we come out of these dark holes, you know, those are the people that we look to. It's like, you know, how, how are we going to move forward? How, what's the future look like? And uh, if you're a creative person, you know, this is the time to really strive and push those ideas and push those limits because, you know, you're you're the future, you know. Yeah. We're, the world is, you know, really never going to be the same. We have to operate different. We have to do things different. So, you yeah. know, why not right now look for ways to uh, be different and be creative and push your work like I did my corona edits deal and that was totally an opportunity because we were it was slow people didn't have work mm-hmm. it was an opportunity for me to stay creative and, and, and you know go back and look at some of the work I had done yeah and some of the stuff that like was really good and some of the stuff that was really bad you know just just a couple years ago and you know and put you know, a, a new light on it yeah now, I think personally I, I got some of my work recently just because I looked busy I was doing something Mm-hmm. Be creative, you know. Yeah, and you you had time to put it out there too, like and actually yeah. being able to to power through this and not just you know throw your sucker in the dirt because all the rodeos are canceled. <laughs> it's that's a good thing, and people see that, and that's integrity, and that's hard work, and I think it's great. Like we've been working on the National Western Youth Convention, and you know, there's part of me that you know you got to ask the question, well. Should we be asking for sponsors and stuff like that right now because it's a new event and things are crazy? But it's like this is the perfect time because things are getting shook up right now. And 
yeah. this is a time for us to get our name in the hat because this is a new event coming to town and nobody knows about it and there's sponsorship dollars that are coming back and going like just nobody really knows what's going to happen so if we can put our name on that list right now to say hey yeah. like you guys should be involved then it's good timing i think yeah, absolutely i'm looking forward to that i've been pre-assigned to do something in that so i'm sure for those for your listeners i'll be there somewhere yes do you have it on your calendar i sure hope so i do Okay, good. March 5th, 2021, National Western Youth Convention, Fort Worth, Texas. going to be a good, good time. I want to take a short break during this awesome podcast with Click Thompson to talk about my favorite jeans, the Stetson Women's Trouser Jeans. I wear these jeans nearly every single day, out in the barn riding horses, to rodeos, to business casual meetings, or out to eat with some friends. They're classy and comfortable. They have trouser bottoms that are big enough to wear shin guards and boots under without that obvious outline, but yet they're not so big that your entire foot is covered up. The waist comes up high enough in the back that your shirts stay tucked in and your goods aren't exposed. The legs give you room to move without looking baggy. These jeans are classy, comfortable, and built to last. Find your next pair of Stetson Women's Trouser Jeans on the shop page at rodeokids.com. Now we'll get back to the podcast with Click Thompson. Okay, what's your favorite book? It used to be, and I can't remember the, the guy's name, but it was Knight, and I think it was a book about the Holocaust. And I read it when I was, like, in high school. There's another book, um, I think his name is Andrew Klein, called Steal Like an Artist, and it's really good for just creative boosts and things like that. And then, of course, the Bible's always a good read. Yes. I am currently reading the entire Bible from front to back, yes. four pages a day. And I'm gonna have that, gonna have it whipped by the end of the year. I've never done it before. I've read parts of the Bible my whole life, but I've never read the entire thing. So, we are, we are hard at it. Hard at it. Yes. Yeah. And we talked about that feel like an artist book before. So I haven't read it yet, but I still need to. It's still on my list. It's a good one. I mean, it's it's a good book for like a quick five-hour drive or something, or even a flight. You can knock it out pretty fast. But okay, it's good and. It's good for fire in the belly, and I talk about that all the time. It's just staying motivated and, and grinding. Yeah. Angles. Like, you know, selfie, selfie nation right now. Selfie nation? Okay. Selfie nation, yeah. So what's, what's the best angle? How do... First, for, for selfies, definitely if you can, whoever the tallest person is, like if you're doing a group deal, or you've got, or you just got long arms, you want to kind of get pretty high, and I'm, I'm acting this out like someone can actually see me right now, but um, you don't want to get too high, like if your feet are in the photo, then we all know that you're like shooting straight up, and that's not a good look, but, but you know, you're trying to, but you know, a good, maybe, I wouldn't say 45, but right between, yeah, probably 45 is pretty good, where you can see your face has a good angle, it's pretty flattering. So, you know, if you got a few extra LBs, you know, you can hide it a little bit, not too crazy, but it's just a little flat, generally above. It's a flattering angle for you, but I've always kind of, it just feels weird to take a selfie if yeah. I'm not, like, with people, or when you see someone in public, I just feel like that's such an awkward, the selfie stick moment has kind of, has have, uh, died down a little bit, so. Yeah. It's not as, uh, as, as bad as it used to be, but, no. yeah. It's, you know, it's still there, but it's, I agree, it's not as bad. Yeah. What about <laughs> cowboy hats? Like, I feel like anytime I try to take a selfie with a cowboy hat, my cowboy hat always looks, like, just flat like it looks like i'm yeah. 
I, I've never, I can't master that one. Maybe my arms are just too short. I don't know. You just got, you just got to get a little bit more dip in front of your, your deal there, and you won't have uh, got a little bit more cowboy trees. Bring yeah, that dip down the front. You have, yeah. Yeah. So that's all you need because cowboy acts are tricky because you want to, and it depends on how it sits on the edge. Some people like to mash it down like they're about to get on the bronc, but you know, and it's hard. You're trying to adjust so you can actually see your eyes, and that's usually what causes that too. Is just, but you know. Kind of find that good angle where you can see the phone pretty well, and, and then just tilt your head down just a little bit. Tilt your head down a little eyes. bit. Just tilt it down just a little bit, and you'll be good to go. Yeah. Got it now. Yes. Okay. Is there anything else? Where we got about an hour in, and I think there's some awesome stuff here. What is? What would you like to leave the listeners with? Oh, I can I can give you some of my some of my quotes from my. Uh, my future books that I might write one day. Yeah. If you want to. Do you have a title picked out yet? Uh, I think I'm going to stick with uh, unspoken speeches. So the theory and the idea behind that is that, you know, a lot of times something happens to us in life and our brain does this whole process and, you know, say someone cuts you off on the road and you're like, man, if you just waited five minutes, you'd be more safe for you. It'd be more safe for me, this, that, and the other. And it kind of irks at you for like a minute to five minutes uh-huh. and your brain's doing all these things. And if you were writing it down, it'd be almost like a thesis paper. So why not actually write it down? So, yeah. Unspoken speeches, or it goes without saying, those are just, you know, and some things are very simple. Recently, I did a uh, My Little Thoughts thing. If you go to my website, quickthompson.com backslash thoughts, um, I wrote it on the 1st of June, and it was just my thoughts about things going on in the country and just my, yeah, I'm not great. big to... I'm not big to get into, like, arguments, but I wanted to kind of – I was having a moment where I felt like I should say something, and, yeah. and I just wanted to create an opportunity and, like, a platform where people could just read it. I didn't really want to open it up for dialogue, but if someone – and I had a bunch of people contact me and, and provide thoughts and, you know, and tell me they appreciate it and things like that, but um, – Yeah, well, and I think that you have a unique position, um, you know, coming up into this predominantly – white sport I guess um you could Mm -hmm. say and being a black man who came from not a western background at all um or maybe not at all but not in the rodeo realm of things and to give people a different perspective and kind of the old-fashioned cowboy mentality um and you have a great way of speaking where people respect you and they, yeah. they you are able to open people's minds with your thoughts and, and how you work. I think you're going to make a really big impact in the industry over time yeah. by doing things like that. So, so every year I take down quotes or just things people have said that I think are hilarious. I will refrain from using some of the hilarious ones because some of them are inappropriate. But <laughs> the, uh, there, are, there are a lot of really good quotes that uh, – people have said in the past and uh, well here's one from Benjamin Franklin uh, either write something worth reading or do something worth writing I like um, that Phineas O'Connell who is actually the brother of Billy Eilish he said that we are communicating more but we're worse at communicating I agree with that was um, Todd Gurley of the now Atlanta Falcons was the Rams um, he said your best ability is your availability which um, has proven very fruitful for me and that, you know, um, 
sometimes I've had to wear a mask or I'm willing to get a little closer to people than some people have been, so I've been able to get jobs or that maybe some other folks can't do. But What's a funny one? Ooh, a funny one. Let me find a funny one. (laughs) Funny and appropriate. Oh, here's a funny one that Casey Jones said, who is a very good friend of me and like a neighbor now. Um, He was introducing me to somebody. He goes, this is Click. He's he's an up-and-coming photographer that's about to take over rodeo. And then he goes, see, I can make anything sound good. <laughs> <laughs> any any um, other funny ones? I'm between the yellow line and the white line. That's you. Yep. That was on our way home from Vegas. <laughs> Where are you going next? Somewhere between a yellow line and a white line. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Theodore Roosevelt comparison is the thief of joy. Paul Brown, when you win, say nothing. When you lose, say less. I love quotes. I'm kind of a quote junkie. Yeah. You, you do like quotes, so. Yeah, I'm trying to see if I have. Let me look at someone. These were all from last year. Um, Matt Fraser, another one he said, was there's no better motivation than being inspired by yourself. I think there's a lot of truth to that, which we kind of talked about that yeah. earlier. Like, you got to have somebody that looks maybe a level above you that you aspire to be, but you have to inspire yourself to get to them. That's right. Um, and then one from my... Uh, good friend, uh, Richard Jones, who is uh, just a dear friend, a good guy. He does sound production for PBRs, and he said, if you're going to be a bear, might as well be a grizzly. And, okay. and Pastor Jeremy Foster, I heard him say this earlier this year, callings and comfort don't go hand in hand. Callings and comfort don't go hand in hand? Mm-hmm. That's good, because I'm not very comfortable yeah. very often. Yeah. That's, I'm pretty good yeah. at being outside of my comfort zone, I feel like. <laughs> you, you, well, I don't know what your comfort zone is because, you know, I think you're pretty comfortable with uh, with everything, or at least you put it on a good face. I think I've just kind of learned to live outside of a comfort zone. Like, there's always going to be something new. Always oh, yeah. something new brewing. The other day when I started RodeoKids.com, the night that, I, that, that RodeoKids.com came into my head in Vegas a uh, year and a half ago, um, I called one of my friends, and I still have the paper that I wrote down, and it said that I was going to have a convention. Like, I wanted a convention for the Western industry um, through this company. And we were talking about it, and he was like, you know, I think that's a great idea, but let's hold off on that for, like, you know, a handful of years until we get this thing rolling. And a year later, here we are planning the National Western Youth Convention. So I sent him a message yeah. the other day, and he's like, you you're really going for it. And I said, yeah, I told you I was going to the night that I told you about RodeoKids.com. He said, yes, you did. I remember that. So we go after things around here. Got to. That's Got right. To. And it's amazing how many things you can accomplish if you just go after them. And don't, you're absolutely don't, right. Don't procrastinate. Yeah. And I'm, I am historically am a horrific procrastinator sometimes, but I've gotten better at just compartmentalizing and scheduling and, and, you know, learning how to not stress. And yeah. I definitely, I would tell people, you know, definitely go and get it. But if you can simplify your life in ways, always do that. It's always good for you, your health mentally and physically. And just, but stay grinding. The the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. That's right. Keep it it works for yeah. everything. Okay, anything else that you would like to add in at the end of this RodeoKids.com <laughs> podcast? Do what you love. Yeah, do what you love and the money will come. Do what you love and the money will come. I 
pray every day. That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's coming along. So. Well, Click, thank oh, yeah. you so much for being on the podcast. And I can't Absolutely. wait to get this edited and get it out there. I think that there's a lot of good content here that people will really enjoy listening to. And um, if somebody were to want to become a photographer, could they contact you? Or who would you recommend they contact? Um, anyone, if you're interested in being a photographer, um, we need more photographers, really good ones. Um, you can reach me at pretty much everything is Click Thompson on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't do a lot of Twitter, but I do do this. Uh, Click Thompson on Snapchat. You can go to my website, go to my contact page, which is clickthompson.com, and you can reach me. Um, just message me, and we'll, uh, we'll get you going. Yeah. I love to help people pick out equipment and help you spend your money, so I'm all for that, too. <laughs> yeah. I think you should do, like, uh, down the road, because I'm really good at coming up with ideas, like a Christopher Thompson rodeo photographer boot camp. I, I have been in discussions talking about doing workshops or boot camps or things like that. I'm, I'm a little bit of a drill instructor sometimes when because when, I, I take my deal seriously because I'm passionate about it. Yeah. And I, and I want I want to do well and I want everyone else who's involved to do well. Yeah. And, uh, well, I think you should. We need we need, we need more good photographers, less bad ones. So. Yeah. Well, I'll help you get your start with that boot camp workshop thing here in March. There you go. <laughs> right? That might be what I end up doing is doing a boot camp. Yeah, that would be just fine. I think that would be a great thing. All right. Well, thank you very much, Click, and I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I will see you hopefully sometime soon. All right. There you go. We'll be here. All right. Have a great day.